Japlitsky kicks it away to Tyson. And he's got space. Jordan Tyson finds a seam. There goes the freshman. It's been an amazing night for number four. And it continues. Touchdown, Buffs. Run, Jordan, run. Boy, that'd be a sweet sound around here. OU gets uh, their second wide receiver transfer of the portal, Jordan Tyson, and he does something like that next year, takes a punt back to the house, which hasn't happened in a while. Colorado transfer Jordan Tyson, uh, 22 catches, 470 yards, four touchdowns as a true freshman at CU last year before he had an injury. And, um, yeah, uh, that would be a, uh, a nice uh, addition, Travis. I, I like what I hear there on the uh, punt return side of things at least. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, it's been something that's been missing from Oklahoma for a long time. Um, obviously, there's a caveat to that, right? Uh, we've had the athletes for it. You know, we've, we've, we've had the explosion. But when your head coach says, hey, we're not going to return kicks because special teams aren't important, or we're not going to return punts because special teams aren't important, um, yeah, you take yourself out of the game very often in that aspect. Yeah, well, seems like things are trending uh, nicely for OU when it comes to Jordan Tyson. So uh, we'll, we'll be talking about that one today and kind of what the uh, the latest going on in the portal. I just got to make sure first, that wasn't you in that uh, brawl video out at the golf course in, in Owasso on Monday, was it? I, I couldn't make out if that was Travis Davidson or not. I'm just, I'm just making sure you weren't the one getting punched or throwing the punches. Uh, my attorney has uh, recommended that I I don't speak about that. Um, let's just say that's the last time Kendall will uh, will smart off on the text <laughs> line because I went to go find him in Owasso uh, yeah. and uh, you know had to had to straighten him out. Well, but, uh, yeah, it was what, pretty what it was pretty they... wild, man. That that one guy kept hey who who else wants it? Who else wants it? I mean, that's uh that what what better way to welcome the live tour to the state of Oklahoma than Seriously. a little uh, <laughs> little boxing match on a tee box? You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, what a way to make Owasso famous! That that, that video has gone viral uh, this week with with, uh, with with that happening on a Monday afternoon too, which is pretty awesome. Like it's it's still a big thing if it happens on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday or maybe even a Sunday. But dude, like a a Monday afternoon where that happens. Uh, I, I would guess that the majority of golf course fights probably don't happen on Monday, probably the weekend, but there you go. Congratulations, Owasso. Hey, got to be known for something, right? Got to be known for something. So, yeah, it was uh, it, it was pretty wild, but, you know, we're, all, we're not all that rowdy in the 918. Some of us are. Well, but, yeah, I like where we stand with uh, – I like where we stand with Tyson, um, you know, obvious production before. Um, uh, you always want to add talent, but I have – I just want to make sure people aren't confusing opportunity with production. I know the two go hand in hand, but, um, you know, we, we brought in L.V. Bunkley-Shelton and J.J. Hester uh, a year ago. Each of them had production at, you know, Missouri and Arizona State – but then they didn't have any production at Oklahoma. You know, you you wonder if I mean, obviously Jordan Tyson's a very talented guy, but if we if he was on last year's roster, 
Would he have played over Marvin Mims? I don't necessarily think so. Would he have maybe played over Jaleel Farouk? Eh, probably not. Probably not over Drake either. So I just hope that uh, – I hope once we get Jordan Tyson in that we are – we have enough talent in that room to make something happen this year. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say exiting spring with the wide receivers, it's whether you are a true freshman or whether you are a transfer portal player – you will have an opportunity come training camp to be, if not a starter, at least a contributor with this offense. And I don't think that that's always the case on, on offense. I, I think that there's a lot of years where you go into training camp knowing who your number one guy is going to be, maybe even knowing who your number two target's going to be, and you're really just kind of battling it out to see, all right, well, who's, who's going to be the starter for us in the slot? Who's going to be our third, fourth, fifth wide receivers? Who's really going to round out that group? Now, I, I think Jalil Farouk probably heads into training camp as your favorite to be wide receiver n- number one, but I don't think mm-hmm. that that's a guarantee, man. I, I think whether it's Jaquace Petaway, uh, whether it's Brennan Thompson, whether it's Jordan Tyson, if you end up getting a commitment from him, I, I know you don't have a ton of practices in training camp, but all those guys will have an opportunity, not only in training camp, but honestly probably throughout the non-con portion of the schedule to carve out exactly what their role is going to be in this offense. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you just look at that room, and that's why I'm kind of, you know, you always want to add talent. And, again, we had some secondary scholarships open up, but but we're really, we're really we've talked about this pre-spring game. Like, we really feel good about where we're at in the secondary. Um, we definitely agree on that. And, you know, if, if Emmett Jones wants to bring his own guys in, I mean, obviously he is new, so he's trying to flesh out that room, get as much talent in there as possible. He will either, you know, either fairly or unfairly be judged this year a lot on wide receiver production, right? Because, you know, if the wide receivers have a big year, he's got a couple thousand yard guys, everybody's going to say, whoo, Emmett Jones, man, that, that, that guy is that dude. Not only can he recruit like nobody else, apparently, he can coach him up as well. So I think he's just setting himself up for success. But, I mean, if, if, if we assume Jaleel is at least a starter, right? Like, we can go back and forth on whether or not we think he's going to lead the team in, in yards. I, I, again, I think I might take the field in that. But you've got Jaden Gibson, you know, J.J. Hester, L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, you know, Petaway, Nick Anderson, Andrew Anthony, D.J. Graham, Brennan Thompson, and now maybe bringing in Tyson. I mean, you've got Olympic speed dudes in there. you got six four guys in there. I mean, you got pretty much a smorgasbord, if you will, of talented dudes in there you just got to see who steps up yeah can i can i over evaluate the uh the the highlights that i saw of uh, of uh, jordan tyson just for a second because the the, the one do. thing that Please i keep do. talking about the one thing i keep talking about with the offense and at wide receivers like i just need i said it earlier today i need to see more of a vertical threat more of a consistent vertical threat yes a lot of that is on the quarterback but some of that is on the wide receivers as well like creating better separation down the field. And sure, maybe they weren't against great Pac-12 defenses last year, though he made some plays against Oregon, one of the games where he was healthy. I saw a guy in Jordan Tyson who got behind the defense and was a big-time deep threat, so I automatically like that. And I also saw a guy on a third and four, third and five, he can run a a slant route with uh, tight coverage and still make a play to move the stick. So, He's six foot two, but he's also got a lot of speed. And you know, is he a complete wide receiver? We'll see. But he did a lot of different things for that Colorado offense last year, which I like. He's not necessarily kind of a, 
you know, one-trick guy. It kind of feels like he can do – he's a good route runner, but he's got elite speed. He can kind of do everything that you need. So maybe he is in position to be one of their better wide receivers next year. Yeah, I mean, it's it, – you know, it's – Slightly concerning that, you know, they, I mean, again, you always want to bring in talent, but post-spring, you know, this will be the third transfer they're looking to bring in, and this guy is coming off a lower leg injury after, you know, an explosive, you know, season that when he did see time at Colorado, coming off a lower leg injury, you wonder or you hope that that explosion has not been affected at all, and now he doesn't have a spring you know, any spring practices with these guys, hopefully Emmett can get him up to speed. But what I do like, Tyler, is that the guys in the room, and we heard this from Andrew L. Anthony, but the guys in the room have really taken it upon themselves to help these transfers get up to speed with the playbook. That's what I really like. Uh, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. From the 918, maybe it's just me but I think we're going to be just fine at wide receiver. We keep going off the spring game results, but no one factors in that maybe, just maybe, our secondary is that freaking good. Okay, like that that's a fair point. And like my – I'm also going off of what I heard this spring to say that I think Farouk is probably the favorite to be wide receiver number one exiting spring. Yes, we're probably going too much off of spring game results. I also think we're going off of proven track records to this point, and unfortunately, there's just not a whole lot of great resumes at wide receiver right now for OU. So, so it's hard to pinpoint exactly what they're going to be because there's talent there, but there's just so much unknown at this point. Right, and, and and that's why I that's why I bring up opportunity, right? I mean, in in 2021, LV Bunkley Shelton had 33 catches for 418 yards, a couple touchdowns, you know, like. I think he was redshirt freshman then. Like, he, you know, that's that's decent production. You bring him in, well, he's he's stuck behind Mims, right? Uh, you know, J.J. Hester, same thing. You know, tw- true freshman goes out, 12 catches, two of them for touchdowns, uh, you know, and then the production falls off. So y- the hope is, Tyler, that you just you put so much talent in that room and you're like, look, the cream's going to rise to the top. We're going to get a stud on you know opposite Jaleel coming out of that room if we don't then we gotta start asking a lot tougher questions uh, than we're asking right now because we've got down that room and and I think the spring game the 918 texture brought up a good point the defense might be that good but Tyler what was another take from the spring game the offensive line was just in in not shambles good. from a health standpoint so so not only did receivers not step up but I mean, the quarterbacks had no time to throw whatsoever. So was it really a good way to evaluate your wide receiver talent? I would contend that it was not. Yeah, maybe not. Uh, By the way, may the 4th be with you. So there's been a lot of Star Wars references on the uh, station today and on uh, social media everywhere. I put out may the 4th overtime be with you. And I I bring that up to see this. Do you think as great as that 2020 OU Texas game is, do you still think it's massively overshadowed by the game that happened the very next year? Like It was a four-overtime game. It was a classic where a lot of crazy things happen. And I just don't feel like we talk about that game maybe as much as it deserves because of like how it wasn't as crazy as 2021. But, dude, 2020 had the third overtime, Travis. OU blocks a field goal. All they got to do is make a field goal. 
and then they shank one wide left. Like, they go for it on a fourth and one. Texas calls timeout right before the snap. OU was going to throw it. Their wide receiver fell down in the end zone. Thank God Tom Herman called the timeout right before. It's just, <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's a, it's a day to reflect on that game that we probably don't talk about enough. Yeah, I think I think the next game overshadows it so much. Uh, oddly enough, uh, uh, they are previewing the 2024 mock draft with Todd McShay right now, so I'm staring at Caleb Williams on the screen right now, oddly enough. Get used, Same. Get used to that. So, uh, anyways, I, I, I think I preferred the comeback win because it just was a lot of high-level plays. We just brought up Marvin Mims. I mean, that catch where he got in by a blade of grass as he's falling in. The Caleb Kelly strip, the Caleb big run. I mean, like Kennedy walking it off. Like there's so much just like Hollywood scripting in that game versus the four overtime game, which which you, you know, bring up. There was a lot of just screw-ups, like a lot of just bad football that was played, and you're like, good Lord, will this game never end? It's three and a half minutes left in that game. OU had a two-touchdown lead. OU was up 31-17 with three and a half minutes left, and they had to win the game in four overtimes. Could have won it in regulation easily by two scores. Could have won it in the third overtime with the made field goal. Had to win it in four overtimes on, a, uh, on, a, on an interception to end the game. Drake Stoops, so you want to talk about Hollywood scripts? Yeah. How about Drake Stoops catching a uh, touchdown to win OU Texas in four overtimes? It's pretty good, man. I I mean, I would agree. 2021 is is more of my favorite than that game. It's just the only bad thing that happened in 2020 was happening right before that 2021 game, and we're talking about it a whole lot more. Uh, And I've talked about that 2020 game. Like, it's it's funny because that was the COVID year, right? So they really took a ton of tickets away from that game, and it was the perfect time to have overtimes because I'm sitting there in the lower bowl, well, they only play the overtimes at one side at a time, right? It's not like they march back and forth. So the entirety of the lower bowl is running towards the side of the field where they're playing so you can get a good view. And then when the next overtime happened, everybody congregates to the other side. Now, I'm not sure we were uh, socially distancing like we were supposed to be, but it was it was fascinating because never again in the history of the game will you be able to walk down from one end to another during OU Texas. So it had a lot of different aspects to it that uh, were definitely not normal. And luckily the uh, fourth overtime was with uh, OU that day, or uh, that season could have turned ugly <laughs> really, really Ooh. quick. It ended Ooh. up with OU's last Big 12 championship in a Cotton Bowl win over Florida, but that would have been, what, their third consecutive loss in a row, I think. Um, mm-hmm. That season probably turns out uh, quite a bit different. Chicken and pickle today. In Oklahoma City, North Oklahoma City, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue. I'm kind of situated right here by the bar. They've got indoor pickleball. They've got great food here. They've got an awesome menu here at uh, Chicken and Pickle. And uh, it's just a fun place to hang out on the weekends. Kentucky Derby coming up this weekend might be a fun spot to uh, watch the Derby. But it's uh, it's about pickleball here, Uh, indoor, outdoor, great drinks, great food menu as well. Tell you more about Chicken and Pickle as the show rolls on. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the homeless Sooner fans. It is the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas and Travis Davidson. 405-651-3439 if you want to interact with the show on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Boy, this has not been a banner year for the University of Alabama, right? Now, I'm not even Ooh. talking about their football team not winning a national championship. Who cares about that? We know the situation that happened with uh, – 
the Nate Oats and the basketball team, and now Bama fired their baseball coach today, a day before an SEC series, because Brad Bohannon was found to be connected with betting activity in Ohio concerning the LSU-Alabama game on Friday. So I don't know in what way Alabama's baseball coach was connected with the betting activity in Ohio, but obviously he was connected enough to be fired. What Yikes, dude. Yeah, it's – I don't know how many people are going to have to, you know, in sports. I mean, obviously we saw this with, um, you know, a lot of NFL players recently, and I just don't know why they think – Maybe maybe it's just ignorance, and they don't they they don't realize they're logged into something, or they don't realize they can't like this is on an Alabama like this is on a game like you're directly involved in you coach for like so I, again I don't know what the involvement is either, but I would if I were a coach or a player I would stay so far away from if I got an advertisement for a sports book I would block them I mean stay as far away as you can away from it it's not worth the risk. Yeah, and I, I think there was uh, – what did the report say that no players were thought to be involved with this? It was just the uh, the head coach so far. But yeah, initially. Ohio banned – yeah, Ohio banned any wagers on those Bama baseball games. Yesterday, New Jersey joined, and then t- uh, this morning, Pennsylvania joined. So that's how bad it was, is that three states outside of your region of the country said – yeah, we're not taking any more bets on Alabama baseball games. As if Alabama baseball games is one of the more heavily bet things on the board. That's how bad it was that three other states said, yeah, we're taking that off. No no, thank you. That's yeah, crazy, you almost man. wonder if if they had noticed. Like, cause, I mean, as you intimated, right, like the Alabama baseball game, I can't imagine was – Something that everybody in Vegas was lining up for. I don't. I doubt it was on you know every sports book's biggest screen, but maybe those other states noticed. Like, hmm, sure is a lot more money on this Alabama baseball game. Oh, weird. Their coach is linked to something. Maybe that's why they investigated it and found him in the first place. Was because they saw an maybe. influx of bets, you know, on that game, and they thought, well, that's weird. Nobody's bet more than two hundred bucks on this game so far, and now we've got you know hundreds of thousands what's going on here uh for the 580 what's the over under on number of days before we found out the uh, full story of alabama's baseball coach i'm gonna say seven and a half the exact same over under as uh the game against lsu last week that everyone <laughs> yeah. got him on seven and a half yeah <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to bet on how many nfl players were going to uh be suspended this year for gambling i couldn't find it in any sports book though unfortunately but i do think I don't know. I, I'm a Tyler. We've talked about it, and you know when Kansas passed, uh, you know we talked about it on the show. I did make a bit of money um, betting on the OU Nebraska game, doing some same game parlays and whatnot as we made the trek up to Nebraska. And the thing is, when the NFL and when all these leagues have massive gambling partners, I mean, I think the NFL has like FanDuel, DraftKings, and Caesars. Like three sports books, sport like uh, Barstool has their sports book. Like everybody's getting into gambling, and the leagues are making just buku bucks over this. Like it's it's just got to be tough for it to just be shoved in your face at every turn if you're in athletics. But hey, if you look at it too long, you it you got you got to be suspended. It's it's kind of unfortunate. 
Dash from Nashville says he will never get to the Hall of Fame. Pete Rose. What yeah. What if uh, Nick Saban was caught doing this? Would they Would they take his statue down? Would they suspend him for the entire year? Or would they say, Nick's innocent. I, they were quick to fire the baseball coach. I wonder what would happen if it was Nick Saban. Hey, there's. Uh, I guarantee you there are Georgia fans trying to uh, work with uh, oh, some dude, chat GPT yes. to, to, to try and – uh, find some accusations because you know all the arguments right now are oh would you rather have Kirby or Nick Saban like and Georgia fans are the ones pushing that that uh, question they would love nothing more than for uh, old, old Saint Nick to be taken down. Well, here's the thing, Travis. Maybe Nick Saban is involved. Maybe he sabotaged last year to get the over under for wins down for this year because everyone's selling on Alabama, right? LSU is the, the new flavor of the offseason in the SEC. I'm like led to believe, by the way everyone thinks, Alabama's over for under for wins is going to be about six and a half this offseason. So well, if maybe you... this was just Nick Saban getting that number down and then he's going to hammer the over this year. They're going to be good. Could be, could be. You know, he's, he's got that uh, clause in his contract where he's got to be the highest paid coach. Uh, maybe he's hooked up with the sports books too. But, you know, it's, it's funny because Georgia fans – or Georgia players, you know, they they talked about it last year. Everybody picked us to only win six games. They picked us to not even make it out of the East. You know, we had this chip on our shoulder because nobody believed in us. I mean, maybe maybe Nick Saban saw how effective that was and said, "Okay, I'll get I'll get Vegas believing we're only going to win six games." Big brain stuff. I love this text. This text says hashtag roll bribe. Oh, my gosh. Someone have that sign out. Someone, come on, come on now. Someone get that sign out. I think Alabama plays Vandy this weekend. All right, Vandy fans, I know there's only like six of you, but one of you, one of the six, has got to do a hashtag roll bribe sign. Let's let's go ahead and make that happen, please. Oh, that's funny. Hey, it's the hive mind of college football, and especially our text line, they, they never cease to amaze me. They're so clever. Yeah, um, and we even have some that can evaluate quarterbacks like a legitimate quarterback coach. Zane says, because we were talking about Malik Murphy, was just watching Malik Murphy's senior highlights. I think I see one reason he doesn't start. His throwing motion is slow, decrepit, and he has bad form with his body weight in his throwing motion. Now, Zane is on the text line every single day, and for that I appreciate him. I did not know that he was basically Kevin Murray as a quarterback's coach. Yeah, it's actually – it's actually Kevin Murray's burner. Uh, I'm not sure if you knew. That was a little secret between uh, Kevin and I, but now that it's been outed, I think Kevin and I can come forward with this. But, no, it's it, – you know, Tyler, I'll take you back to when he was a senior in high school. Um, the Texas boards used to do, like, live in-game threads since he was a five-star and he was committed. And, you know, they were they were trying to see what life would look like, you know, with the future. and And I would – I would go back on Saturday and read what they had typed Friday night, and it was hilarious because it would start out as, all right, here we go, like, you know, let's let's go first quarter. Ah, you know, run game didn't get going. Let's see if he finds his groove. Oh, overthrew that guy. Ooh, that was a little ugly. Man, well, he's playing with a bunch of bums, so what can you expect? I mean, oh, nice. five-star, like, he, you know, he's throwing to a bunch of munchkins out there. What's going on? I don't know if I can say that on the radio, but, like, like the the meltdown every Friday night on the Texas boards as they realized that this guy wasn't actually any good. Now he may be fine now, but at the time, 
he was his his tape. I'd have to agree with Zane. He did not look good, but it was it was fun. It was good Saturday morning reading. A lot of people do Saturday morning cartoons. I do Saturday morning Texas message board meltdowns. Well, that's been fun for about the past what fifteen years now. Yeah, all, all the, the way internet. back to uh, two thousand ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Since the <laughs> since the internet. Um, boy, this is this is the week, man. Everyone's post spring. Top 25 is coming out. This is the week where it's happening. And I'm looking at The Athletic, and I'm looking at ESPN, their post-spring rankings. LSU may be the flavor of the offseason. Texas is getting all the, the hype, as you would guess. It's only taken one 6-7 and seven season from OU for everyone to say, yeah, they're not a top 25 team to start the year. The Athletic and ESPN, there's uh, no OU to be found in either top 25, which is fine. I don't care. I just find it funny, I guess, that Texas has had multiple seasons like this, and still you'll find them in the top 15 most years. OU has one setback at a 6-7. and seven. Forget it, man. You can't find them in a top 25. Right. You know, it's and that's what's so funny about Texas fans, uh, you know, just repeating 6-7 and seven over and over, as if Steve Sarkeesian didn't go 5-7 and seven in his first year. Like, that's what's so crazy to me is, they, you know, they say that OU can't improve and that Brent Venables isn't over his head, but they've got a guy that's a 500, you know, 500 record career coach. He's, I don't think he's ever won 10 games before. And yet he goes five and seven and it's, oh, don't worry. Don't worry. Once he's, uh, once he finds his groove, that Brent Venables guy that actually did better in his first year, no way he finds his groove. But once Sark finds his groove, he's really going to take us to the next level. Like, it's they've got very short memories, but it seems you're right, Tyler. The people that are making these lists, they've got short memories too, because uh, this is what they call an outlier in the business. And we may have earned it by going six and seven, but at the end of the day, it won't matter if we just take care of business. Yeah, tell me what you think about this top five from the athletic: Georgia one, LSU two, Michigan three, USC four, Ohio State five. Alex Grinch still coaching the defense out there out west? Uh, let's see. In fact, he is, but he got Bear Alexander this offseason, haven't you oh. heard? Okay. Well, I, I think uh, I think Bear's joining me on a walk tomorrow. we got to lose some weight or else he's not going to get on the field, um, <laughs> you know, at his size with an Alex Grinch defense. No, I think, you know, a lot of that's going to be Caleb Love, um, Caleb Williams Love, not – literally Caleb Love, but I don't know. Georgia's the obvious one. I don't know how I feel about that LSU pick. I, I, I don't know if it's just, hey, you know what, they won the West I, last year. Like, I, I I think they're getting a little ahead of themselves. I don't. I think they're going to have, uh, you know, some trouble with Florida State, right, early in the year whenever they play that game again. I think Florida State might put something together. They've got to put something together with the way they're paying Norvell, but – Michigan, I kind of see it, but it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird not to have Alabama or Ohio State in the top three. Like, yeah, just based you know on. Whose year this, you know whose year I think this needs to be? Like, they, they've got a quarterback coming back. They've got their two running backs coming back. Maybe the best one-two punch in college football. You know they're going to have a good defense. And, yes, they've had a really good start to the 2024 class uh, thus far. 
this needs to be the year that Michigan breaks through. Like I, I feel like this is going to be – this is obviously it, their best opportunity in a while, and it could be their best opportunity for quite some time. If Harbaugh's going to break through and win a title, he might need to do it this year. So I don't know if there's any pressure up there to do that, but if Michigan's going to get it done, it probably needs to be this season. Yeah, if not now, then when uh, is kind of the – you know, because you don't imagine that – that Saban's going to be down long, if he's even down. Uh, Georgia, obviously, I mean, even their 2025 class is ridiculous with like four or five stars in it already, three or four or five stars in it already. Um, But Michigan, you know, (laughs) it's crazy because, you know, they've got the claimed 11 national titles. That's so propped up because they won so many, like, before World War II. In the 20s. Yeah, like they won 1901, 1902, 1903, 1904. We're talking pre-statehood. There was like four college football teams. Like so, they I say mean, champions of the West, Travis, and their fight song. That's because when they were winning games, they were the westernmost outpost in the United States at that time. Yeah, that's why no one else it's, was around. So that's the thing. It's like so much of Michigan's history is from a hundred years ago or longer. They they've got to. They've got to do something, you're right. And honestly, with Harbaugh rumors every single year, you know, with, I mean, he was flirting with my Vikings, you know, I don't know how many times he can say, no, 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 I'm, I'm really going to stay. Because he hasn't earned that trust. Everybody thinks, I mean, when, if there's a coaching vacancy next year in the NFL, like midseason, then when the odds come out, Harbaugh is going to be like top five on those odds because he's shown that he's willing to flirt with them. So if he doesn't get it done this year, I mean, and the transfer portal's crazy, NIL's crazy, realignment's crazy, he might look at the NFL and just say, you know what, fine, fine, I give up. Just put me back in the NFL. So I agree, it's massive for him. Yep, all right, text line. Uh, Who's got the most and the least depth on this OU football team heading into the offseason. We'll hit that and more coming up next. We're going to get you uh, caught up on the latest with the OU transfer portal. Meyer Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3439. Who's got the most depth heading into the offseason? Which position group? Who's got the least amount of depth right now? Which position group? I'm at Chicken and Pickle, North OKC, 8400 North Oklahoma Avenue. Looks like the rain has stopped, so if you want to come out, indoor pickleball courts. we got a sweet bar in here, great food selections as well. Keep it locked on the ref. We're the Homeless Suter fans. It's the rush on the ref. Tyler McComas, Travis Davidson. We asked from the text line, most depth, least depth on the team heading into the offseason. What we got is most dope and least dope. <laughs> According to the 405, Travis, <laughs> most dope is receivers. Least dope is defensive line. Do the receivers have the most dope? And do you agree the defensive line has the least dope? Um, and which one do you want? I'm guessing you want the most dope. Maybe well, um, I think having the most dope was the 2019 receivers. That's why one of them might end up at Ooh, Utah. But uh, very um, nice. But uh, I mean, we talked about it. The receivers they've got depth, but what's the quality of depth there? I think when it comes to my deepest, if you will, or dopest, I guess in this sense. It would have to be safety, even with the uh, even with the departure, um, specifically of Demon Harmon. I, I I think we're just so deep there. Uh, but wide receiver, I guess from a numbers perspective and a 
you know, talent, at least on paper, you could go with wide receiver. What do you think? You, you could withstand a couple of injuries there and not be like, oh, boy, like we're – we're really getting down numbers-wise. Like, no, like, yeah, you're, numbers-wise, you're not changing the playbook. Y- y- yeah, you're not changing. Yeah, you're not yeah, saying, seriously. okay, we got to run, you know, more 12 personnel or, you know, whatever. Like, we're not changing what we're doing based on injuries where, you know, we've had to we've had to do that a little bit in the past at other positions, obviously. Most dope to me is safety. Um, and yep. talk about one of the more interesting position battles that we're going to have going into training camp because – I think this is a position battle that will go on into training camp and maybe the early part of the season. And I feel good about either one, but how about Reggie Pearson versus Peyton Bowen? Like, that's a who-you-got-and-why scenario right there. If we were to ask that to the text line, maybe half would say Reggie Pearson. Maybe the other half would be Peyton Bowen. But I think both of those two will be battling it out to be to be the starter for game one next year. And it's one of the more under-the-radar position battles that you have because you don't necessarily talk about it a lot because you know. Like, normally position battles, there's some unknown with the two players. But, yeah, there's some unknown a little bit with Peyton Bowen. But I think we got a pretty good feeling he's going to be a good player. Well, yeah, for sure. And, you know, if RSJ didn't have that surgery, you know, it would be even crazier, right? Because that's a guy, when he got in last year, was a big time hitter. I mean, he had some he had some of our bigger hits of the entire season in limited playing time. So, safety definitely, I mean, with Peyton Bowen's emergence, you know, he's he's a ball hawk. I mean, he showed that in the spring game. He showed that in high school. He's shown that in in every level that's been available. So, this isn't just a a situation of a right place, right time. This is this is a habit that he has obviously Pearson he finished second in the uh, spring game in tackles behind Kip Lewis and he's a big hitter as well we saw that in the Oklahoma game last year uh, when we played him and the Texas Tech Raiders but I'll I'll tell you what we since we both answered safety as the deepest I think I'm going to honorable mention a second place and I'm going to go with edge man because you know you've got your incumbent starters obviously um, and Ethan Downs and Reggie Grimes, you kind of load up. You got so deep there that you pushed Jonah Laulu into the interior because you've got, obviously, Trace Ford, who, when healthy, at least in spring, has been unstoppable. You've got Rondell Bothroyd, who had a top-three win rate of pass rushers in the ACC last year, not to mention five-star P.J. Adebare, and, oh, R. Mason Thomas, who might have looked like the best edge rusher at times last year. You got You get those guys. I mean, just those, what, six or seven that I mentioned, seven, I mean, that is a, that you're going to have quality, quality depth there and going to have fresh legs all the way deep into the fourth quarter. Let me uh, honorable mention your honorable mention, please. I will go with uh, <laughs> running backs, especially if Javante Barnes is back and ready to go for the season, which I think that he's probably going to be. Uh, the one-two next year hasn't really changed, but what has changed is, uh, I feel pretty good about Tawi Walker maybe being the third guy. Maybe Marcus Major, I don't know, carves out a role. You've got two freshmen who look like they're going to be pretty good. Like you've got, you've got options, good options at one-two, and you might have even have good options with your third back. Now, a lot of those guys are unproven. I understand that, but this is more about depth and depth at running back looks okay as it sits right now. 
Well, yeah, and, and, and moving forward as well, Tyler, because you, you, one of the things I think that people overlook, especially from a even regional, like conference-wise and definitely from a national perspective, is how young our kind of stud duo is, right? I mean, obviously I like me some Tawi Walker, no doubt about that. But when you're talking running backs, you're largely talking Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes. So with that, you've got Dalen Smothers, you've got Caleb Hicks. Obviously they got some play in the spring game well looking ahead to tw- the 2024 class you've got you know Caden Durham which you know we still lead for who just put up like a 10-200 um Jaquay's Petaway put up like a 10-24 or something like that so I mean we've got him coming who knows who that second spot goes to whether that's a Taylor Tatum or a Stacey Gage or whatever you want you have to think about it next year we'll have Caden Durham and pick the other running back call it Taylor Tatum and Dalen Smothers and Caleb Hicks, and Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck, I mean, DeMarco Murray may never have to take a transfer again as long as he's at Oklahoma. Gunny, said, uh, Gunny is pushing the running backs for the most dope. So there's there's that from Gunny. Guy yeah. says, on depth, just a few weeks ago, BV mentioned being concerned about backer. After seeing Lewis, Desan, the battle at Mike, I think it actually looks pretty good. Yeah, the, the thing is, and, and Teddy brought this up yesterday, you are one injury away from one of your returning linebackers for having, like, virtually not zero experience, but very little experience. Because I know Canick played last year, but if something were to happen to Stutzman, then you really have no experience at the backer position. So, least dope. I'd say backer and probably honorable mention, at least right now, they'll get healthier by the time training camp rolls around. But, I mean, they had to restructure the spring game because of where the offensive line is currently at injury-wise. So it probably at least has to be mentioned. Yeah, I think it, like, on a technicality has to be mentioned because, to your point, I think everybody, for the most part, is going to be healthy. Sexton's going to be coming back close to you know week one it looks like if the timeline stays where it's at right now but the thing about offensive line is sure if you get injured you know that it's it's you're gonna have to go to the second string like any other position but you don't really have to rotate a ton of depth in like wide receiver edge running back um even corner safety like those are positions that you rotate a ton Offensive line, you don't. So if you get Walter Rouse back healthy, and then you see the kind of the the Schaefer and uh, uh, Matar and Savion Bird battle for those two starting guards, you've got Raym in the center, and then Tyler Guyton, who might be the best tackle in the Big 12 next year. Once you get those guys healthy, you're you're basically just okay. If we get nicked up here or there, we've already got a guard back up, and whoever loses out for the one of the two starting jobs. You know, if you bring in this center transfer from Appalachian State, then you've got some depth there. And then at tackle, then Sexton should be healthy by then. They're getting reps from Savion Burr or uh, from uh, Caden Green. Um, it, so the offensive line, I'm not as concerned about, obviously, once we get to the season. But yeah, backers, whoo, we are thin there. And yeah. I'm kind of surprised we didn't get more aggressive in the portal. Yeah. Yet, so I, I guess. Um, Yet, I guess. I mean. Well, I mean, I just don't know who's there that you, you I mean, right. there's some wide receivers, I think, in any portal cycle that you could take and have a chance, but I just, I don't remember hearing about a big time backer that was in the portal, unless I'm totally just blanking on someone, but maybe that player didn't even exist. Uh, from the 405, I'm voting Gunny for the most dope, so. 
There you go. Yeah. Kevin. Someone from the 405 well, is giving you that vote. We lost Nick Jackson, obviously, the you know Iowa. But outside of that, I mean, linebacker. At this point, it would have to be somebody that can pick up the defense very quickly or has played in it before, uh, for the most part. Unless you just trust that depth, right? Like we've talked about all year, whether it's going to be Kobe or Jaron that takes that that other spot in you know that Mike linebacker spot. Well, if one of them gets injured. It kind of you've got an obvious choice. It's really that spot behind Stutzman that you know you kind of you kind of worry about. It's true. All right, we'll close up hour number one coming up next live from Chicken and Pickle here in North OKC. Keep it locked on the ref. Cavens Group bringing you this hour of the rush. Check them out CavensGroup.com if you have an emergency repair. Cavens Group is on the call 24/7, 365. Uh, Jordan Tyson, OU sits in a pretty good spot for him, transfer portal wide receiver. Uh, here's the deal, though, Travis. You're hoping to get Troy Everett, the offensive lineman out of App State, and wouldn't mind getting Trey Amos, the uh, Louisiana defensive back, who's got uh, interest from OU, Michigan, Bama, LSU, and Oregon. So it's not just Jordan Tyson. You'd like to get depth on the offensive line with Everett and maybe even another defensive back with Amos. Yeah, I mean, you want to, again, you want to add talent, you want to add depth, you want to add competition. I think at times competition was lacking last year, uh, at, at times at certain positions, which obviously from a depth perspective that's important, but from developing uh, kind of the people ahead of you, iron sharpens iron, baby. Bedlam softball. Coming up tomorrow in Stillwater, three-game set, ESPN2, ESPN, and ESPN Plus this weekend. They're going to have the A-team, the ESPN A-team out there broadcasting in Stillwater. We'll start to preview that series and more. Coming up next, right here on The Ref.